0: unto the O Lord, do I lift up my soul unto the Lord? this one the
1: Okay, there we go. Thanks, Brent. All right, it's 5 o'clock. We're going to get started. Uh,
0: as many of you know, Brother brother Doug's doing a little, um, gospel meeting over in Adamsville, so I got volunteered to do this by myself. So we're going to start out with something simple, and we may do some songs we don't normally do, but we'll figure it out. All right. Jesus loves me, this I know, for God. Rồi. Five, dạ, yeah. five, five, With, oh, I'm uh, In the beginning I made the seas, and the forest filled with trees, and the mountains up so high. At the top he placed the sky, fingerprints are everywhere, just to show how much he gets. In the middle he had some fun, made a hit and made a ton. If it hit, hit the bottom the us, if it parade, I made all of us. If it hit the bottom us, if it break, I made all of us. Hit, hit, hit Okay, we'll again. Put it again. Yeah. <laughs> a little glass yeah, right yeah. of Here we go. Stand up. If we, we all need the ones. We can do it all now. Oh, <laughs> uh, here we go. And we've got the And the forest fruit with trees. And the mountains and At the top, you the your are Just to show how much you get in the million. Okay. What's wild What the wild king? Man. Okay. What so the wild king? Man. Marching up the hill, He's marching down again. And we here up, here up. And we here he he up, here And we here up, Okay, we'll go. these, here we go. We got this. We'll do and we'll them them. Men, Okay?
1: If uh, I say creation, Genesis
0: four. Genesis, 4. Genesis, Genesis, Genesis one. Good job. Flood. Genesis six or seven. Yep. Solomon the Lord. <coughs> Genesis nineteen. Good <coughs> job. Joseph. Genesis, Genesis thirty-seven. Oops. The plagues. Exodus seven to twelve. Wow. All right.
1: Stephen Hodgins away doing a gospel meeting at Batesville. And there might be some others, I don't know. We've just got some very talented folks here that are in demand in other places, so we're glad that we have those kinds of folks here. Tonight's a little bit special for us in that the adult classes are going to remain here in the auditorium. Don Robeson, who is a missionary that we support, he works for the 21st Century Global Missions, He's going to be giving us a report concerning his work. So we're very excited about that. We're going to have a prayer together. I want to remind you of the funeral tomorrow, though, at Keesler Funeral Home. Visitation from 10 until noon and then the funeral's at noon. If you can be there at all, really, really would appreciate your support of the Dawson family. All right, let's have a prayer and then Our children will be dismissed, and as they clear out, then we'll hand it over to Don. Glad you and your wife are here with us tonight. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, thank you for a beautiful day today, and thank you for all the many good things that have come from you. We thank you for this time that we can be together in Bible classes and other studies. We pray that all that just helps to strengthen us as a body And we think of all the many sick uh, that are constantly on our list that we approach you with. We're praying for their recoveries, and some, some have done very well. We pray for the Dawson family, especially in Don's death, and we pray comfort for Brenda and her family. We pray, Lord, that you'll be with Don Roberson tonight as he presents just a picture of the work that he's doing, and we, we pray great success for him as we work together in the advancement of your kingdom. We pray, Father, that you'll forgive us of the mistakes that we make and, and help us to strive to do better as we faithfully intend to walk with you. We pray for our teachers tonight, that you'll bless them and their efforts to instruct our young people and we pray good things. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, you're dismissed, your classes.
2: that thing It'll on, just, yeah, turn just it on, put it on the green right there. oh there I can't push it forward,
1: okay.
2: He's got you. Yeah. <clears throat> does it matter where you match your clicker at, will it pick it up, um, just it ain't, okay, okay, all right, I good heard. evening, it's the greatest thing in the world to be a Christian, amen. I uh, just want to say I, I'm just so glad to be here. Uh, many, many years ago, we had the opportunity to come and to visit when I was a teenager some youth rallies and that kind of different stuff. And never did I think in a, for a moment, Brother Luther, in those days, that I'd ever be back here speaking in such a prestigious place because I was just enamored at this big, nice, beautiful place. And Brother Morgan, I've been remembering him for for a long, long, long time, <laughs> and so, but uh, we were involved in, in uh mission work uh, prior to coming on board with Global Missions. Uh, Miss Lynn and I have been married for almost 29 years. We have two, two daughters, five grandchildren, all over in Arkansas, and uh, we get to go see them because we have churches that support the work uh, as we're over there. And I thank Brother Ken for the for the prayer because it's not just Don and Miss Lynn; it is us, including Ewan's. Everybody know who a Ewan's is? (laughs) All of you brethren. Global Missions is definitely a work, uh, since I've come on board in the last little over two years, uh, has totally impressed me. Lynn and I were involved in mission work, planning churches in Mexico, and that was a great thing. We loved that. We learned a lot. And then when Brother J.C. Enloe asked me to come on board uh, with him and start training me to take on and take the reins, Says he's now 81, and so uh, uh, about July 1, I believe it's the date we finally settled in, that uh, I'm supposed to take on Executive Director of the work. He's going to continue to work with Global Missions, but I'll have all of the, the I guess you'd say, Brother Ken, the, headaches, <laughs> if, there's, if there are headaches to do. But all the minutiae that needs to be tended to, I'll be taking care of all of those things, and I'm blessed to do that. I've been on JC since about 1983, 84, uh, Global Missions. I mean, before Global Missions, he got this uh, up and going in 2000. He came out of International Bible College over at Florence, Alabama. Had some great teachers, some of the same men that I knew. One of our elders had left Our Brother Eddie Lawson, had left uh, Ashland and gone there. Uh, to get into the ministry. And so he and J.C. met, and Brother Eddie referred him to come to Ashland. I had just obeyed the gospel, very young in age, and when J.C. got there, so he and I have been on each other for 40-plus years, and it's been a blessing uh, to all of us. For Global Missions, if you'll look there, is Brother Steve Shapley. Uh, he works just down the road from us at the Beans Ferry Church, and he's been there for many years. He and Miss Beth do a great job there, but he does our PowerPoint uh, presentations for us. He keeps up with all the records of the uh, uh, students and all of the schools uh, that we have in all of the countries. We have 22 preacher training schools in 13 foreign countries. All we do here in the states is raise funds uh, to give a, a tuition and all a full scholarship to all of our students in these other countries. so They get an education in Bible, uh, but they, it does not cost them anything other than how to, you know the cost that gets them to get to class? And next to him is Sister Phyllis Bush, she's at the Saucer Creek Church of Christ, and uh, she's been a member there for as many years, I guess, as, as, as long as she's been a member of the Body of Christ since a child. And uh, that's just off of 10 Tom Waterway, not too far from us. She's our accountant, everything that comes in, all of the proceeds, the funds, if it's a check or cash or whatever, we carry it in and we hand it to her. And if we have a name, uh, with it, then she'll send them uh, a thank you letter, uh, because we are a non-profit organization, so we have to make sure that everything is legal and, and taken care of, and so you'll get that for a tax write-off, or whatever the case may be. And that's Jason and in the middle there. I've been knowing them for a great number of years now. Love and appreciate both of them. And, of course, you recognize me there, and then this is my wife, Miss Lynn. And that picture's taken there in our office. We have a world map in the And he study a conference room. And so we go in there and we have it pegged where all of our schools are at. But our mission, J.C. has been on many, many mission trips and all over from the islands, from everywhere you can think of. He told me one day he'd been in 25 different countries that he could remember and said it might be some more. But he could name 25. We were sitting in an office one day and uh, he got this idea. It continued to build and build and build on trying to educate others in their own language, culture, and country and how it would be much more effective. And I promise you, since I've come on board, I've learned uh, it truly is a great work and it's very cost effective. Global missions exist for the purpose of recruiting. That's important. Educating is important. Encouraging communicators of the gospel in their own language, culture, and country. We try to work out of already established congregations in these other countries. And we try to go there and make a director, get a a director appointed, teachers, and everything lined up a secretary to keep up with the paperwork. And so we work out them a financial statement, something they got to work by and work within. And so they go out and they canvas and they get students and they try to start, they start there in the congregation and then they start going out from there. And so far it has been wonderful. And in this process, women are included in getting a degree in Bible. with a B.A. or an A.A. in Bible. 64 hours or 128 hours. Uh, I saw several children here. Mothers was involved in every one of those, right? Where do you think Christianity really begins? At the house on Mama's lap. That's where it began when I was a child. I made a sermon one time I done on Mother's Day and I said in there that Abe Lincoln had stated, the hand that rocks a cradle rules the nation. And upon a lot of study and observation and looking at the decline of churches across the board here in the States, our problem, brethren, is there's not enough hands rocking the cradle anymore. There's not enough mothers being Christian mothers. Distracted. First things and another, things happen, and I'm so glad to see what you're doing. Lynn and I are in many churches. We placed membership at Fulton over two years ago, and Jody, we've been there ten times in ten years, I mean two years, on Sunday morning. We're never there because we're always on the road trying to do this and, and, and make this work a go, and if not here, traveling out of the country. So it's a work in progress but ladies, you have a huge responsibility, and you can never be thanked enough. And we appreciate your God-given role. You take part in that role, and you take pride in that role. Promoting the gospel in these other countries, that predominantly will happen through the ladies in those villages that I've you know, experienced out in, the, out in the vast regions. Those mothers are there working in the home every day with those children, and they send those children, and everywhere that I was, had, had the privilege of going so far, everybody walks to school or rides a bicycle, if they have one. Some of the more populated places in, in maybe in Mexico, they have a bicycle, but everywhere I've been otherwise, it's not kind of that way, especially out in Africa. Language, I know Brother Ken studies and he does word studies, and he tries to find the best equivalent for the English language, for the words that we use today, so we get a proper understanding. Well, some of the languages that you're gonna run into, you're gonna have to make sure you pick the right word. You have to make sure that there's nothing that they could be misunderstood. One of the great things that I experienced in Africa was this, they're English speaking, and there's about six or seven different dialects that are there, and I spoke four times at four graduations, or three graduations, and in those four speakings with worship and everything, I only had to have a translator in one village, They said my pitch was too high. And so, Brother Tommy, I had to talk low and slow. And they still had to have a translator to get me. And I had to listen really hard to hear and understand them. Those brethren that are there, they don't pronounce the last letter of their words. And so, they have a a brogue about them, kind of sounds like kind of a froggy voice, a lot of them. And so, it's a little bit different where we were at in Liberia. Uh, but we made it great. It was wonderful. Uh, culture, you don't want to do anything that would offend them and turn them off. You want them to stay in their culture. That way they, they know how to reach those that are lost. They know things that are not offensive. They know things how to, to go and to approach those people. The things to talk about, whatever other religions might be around them. They're familiar with all of those things. And so they go in there and they can work really well. And so they know that. In places like in Europe, you don't go, or Russia, Benz, Belarus, or whatever, you don't go in and cross your legs. Shows dominance. You don't wanna shoot, you're sitting there, I appreciate that, I was hoping you'd cross your legs, Brother Ken, I was gonna say, yeah, that would be offensive. <laughs> that, that, that would. Be, he fell for it. <laughs> because you're showing dominance over them. Not anything wrong with that, J.C. found that out hard way, so he warned me right off the start. Another thing in the culture that I run into, we, Bump a fist, shake a hand, hit an elbow, give a little hug sometimes from here to there, young or whatever. But most often, like in Mexico, you're gonna give a kiss on one cheek or the other, the men on one side, the women on the other side. You don't wanna offend them, so you're, you, you're there and you do that. But So you try to adjust and adapt and go to their culture, whatever they eat. You kinda of eat and go along with it. You know, I was uh, in uh, Liberia First two, three days, four days of March, maybe March the 3rd, 4th, or 5th, or something like that. I don't remember now exact. But we were getting ready for the graduation. This was on Saturday afternoon. The graduation was on Sunday after morning services. And so we were getting ready, and I could see they were cutting something up. And I said, uh, it's not chicken. I don't know what it is. So I asked Dr. Fowler's wife. I said, Sister Fowler, I said, uh, he's the director there in Lofa our newest school in Liberia. I said, what is that that you're cutting up? And she just laughed. She never would tell me. So I didn't want to be offensive. I didn't want to put her on the spot, you know, and she laughed. I just let it go. So I asked Brother Maxwell Wee, he's one of our directors there in Monrovia and out in the Gorbally, is where he's at in the jungle there. And I said, Brother, Brother Maxwell, I said, what was that? He said, we call them grass cutters. In America, you call them groundhogs. I said, thank you. So we had groundhog (laughs) and rice and pineapple and bananas and plantain. I never fussed about any of that. I was grateful to have any of it because we had ridden only about 16 hours of the roughest ride you'd ever been on in your entire life to get out there into this jungle and there's no electricity when you're there. So they're cooking on charcoal. They have a little generator if you're lucky enough for them to turn a little light on during the night. And they'll tell you they'll turn the light on, and they have some places, little motel-type things, and they say if you have enough money, you can rent a room that's got an air conditioner, and they'll run that generator for that air conditioner, but you've got to pay for it. I slept mighty hot. (laughs) I didn't have the fortune of getting in one of those little uh, air-conditioned rooms, but that was okay. I didn't go for that. Country. The obvious reason is finances. It's a lot to offer here in the United States. A lot of distractions. A lot of reasons why not to go back. As you're driving through those villages and you're going down this little road it's not hardly wide as anything, and as you come to a village and they come up pecking on your windows and trying to say you something, little young ones, most of those people are about this high on me, but those girls from like this up would come up and they'd be holding, Brother Tommy, and they'd be holding snails or grub worms or anything they could dig up, trying to get you to buy, to sell you that you can eat, just like they do for money, obviously for money, trying to make a living. Well, I left there without eating any snails or grub worms. I told Brother Maxwell, I said, if you don't buy any, we won't eat any. He laughed, he says, I'm not. <laughs> and so we didn't, but that's a different world. And so when you come here, we stop at convenience stores and we got too many modern conveniences and when they get to see this and get to be a part of this, you can understand why really a lot of them don't want to go back and I don't blame them. We have some of those young men that come over here and they get education in the United States. We have Brother Emmanuel Lesson down in Nigeria, Ikat Usun right now and he's got a son he's trying to get in Harding this fall and I pray that he will but his goal is to get his education and go back home for his country of Nigeria and Africa. All schools established by 21st Global Mission has one degree and that is Bible. Curriculum does include two English classes, two computer classes and one economics class. And for obvious reasons we have agriculture in some of those schools because what good is a computer class if you don't have electricity? So therefore you do something to help them. We have the economics class, try to make sure that these young men, as they're going out and to preach the gospel and establish congregations and work with those congregations, we want them to be able to utilize everything, every resource that they have and can get a hold of to make their life as easy as possible. Global Mission does not use any collected funds to compensate a student to to come and to attend any classes. That's where you're important. Lynn and I, from the bottom of our hearts, say thank you for coming on board and helping us. Because without your help, this would not be possible. Lots of sacrifices have to be made on everybody's part. And as Brother George Bailey said, if you can't go across in person, come across in purse. And I understand that statement now. I read that in a book, he was a great missionary read that in a book one time and I said, I'm going to put that in my speech and I'm going to incorporate it. I'm going to say, thank you, Brother George. Thank you so much. You have to understand, we can do what we can here and we can see that there's ways to be more frugal with our, our monies there. We can educate a lot cheaper. One of the things that we have learned is that you've got to be super careful about putting people on American money. Culturally speaking, When others see someone preaching the gospel on American money, a lot of times they get shunned and and pushed back, and they don't want any part of it, and they'll tell those people, those preachers, you're only doing it for the money. And if you take away that money, you won't be preaching. And we know that that's the case in some places. We've seen it, Evidence Lynn and I have seen it, and I know that J.C. has seen the same very same thing. So we try to stay away from that. We try to make sure that we open up every opportunity for the gospel to go forth without any problem, without any resentment. We have two schools in Ukraine. Both of those are uh, closed down uh, right now, waiting uh, the outcome of this war with them. Belarus is in uh, uh, Minsk there. The school is still going. Two in Mexico, one in Guatemala, three in Sierra Leone, three in Liberia, two in Peru, one in Cameroon. Uh, two in Nicaragua, one in Costa Rica, two in Nigeria, one in Guyana, and one in Honduras. I haven't been to all of these yet, but I'm gonna make it with enough time. And I'll try to make some of those graduations. We've been to, we flew into Sierra Leone and uh, picked up a bunch and let a bunch off of the an airplane and then we flew on over into Monrovia back in February as JC and I were going down. And uh, we have three schools there in Sierra Leone, that's West Africa, they're on the coast. Here's the graduation. That's Brother Jacob C. in a little red-white plaid-looking shirt sitting down on the front. we we'll would be to our, our left here. And uh, he's sitting there, and he's a, a great student of the Bible and a great director. Uh, he, he pushes really, really hard, and he pushes the students really good. Mr. February the 12th. had 19 graduates, and we asked them five questions. We interview those. If it's one, uh, J.C., myself, or... Some of our supported congregation, Brother Lance Foster, was attending these from over to Iuca, and we open up and any one of the elders or any of the members here want to go, brother Ken or Doug or anybody who wants to go, they can go and, and visit one of the graduations and see how this is working firsthand. But we ask them five questions. How many congregations are you presently working with? Because they can be, because of villages, they can be working. Those young men could be working two or three uh, congregations. And one of the other questions we ask them is, how many congregations were established while you've been in school? Two, you know, two years or four years? How many congregations were you instrumental in, in establishing? And then we ask them, how many baptisms in the last 12 months? And then we ask them, how many prayer requests and restorations in the last 12 months? And then we ask them the number of the attendants in the congregations in which they're working. The graduated class, they do take these very serious These brethren push their graduations, and they put a lot into them. Uh, Their education is a big deal. It is a really big deal to them. I attended one graduation, and Dr. Fala, as he held up that diploma, he says, in our country, this is something. This may not mean a lot to others is what I'm listening for. He says, this tells everybody around you that your life is not in vain that you lived for something and your life means something, take this home and put it on your wall to remind you and the world that you have purpose and value. And I thought to myself, I'd never heard a graduating speech like that. But it's a different world, I it, Brother Ken. Totally different. What we take for granted every day, little minute things is a big deal to them when they get up every day having to make a living out of whatever they can find to make the best of it. It's totally different. Out of those 19 graduates, had 29 congregations established, 165 baptisms and 117 prayer requests and restorations. Here's 39 graduates in Sierra Leone Bo, And you look at the age difference there, you're going to see them ranging from all different ages. And that's very significant. Uh, one of the things when I was down, I got to go down to Buchanan, which is just off the Atlantic Ocean there on uh, the west coast of Africa there. That is, wet. That is Atlantic Ocean, isn't it? If it hadn't changed. <laughs> and so, but uh, Buchanan, the Grand Bassa County, that congregation is about 350. And so all of those men that I met, they met with us. We met with four elders, two deacons, and two preachers. And about 350 in that congregation of a three-year-old congregation, how were they able to establish elders and deacons so quick? Obviously because those men, all of them were graduates of global missions. They became Christians, obeying the gospel, started studying and can convert the whole household. When they set up a congregation, there they are. Sounds like the day of Paul, doesn't it? When he was going through and establishing and making short order of getting elders Going. That's Brother Lance Foster. Some of you may know him. He's our graduating. He was at our dinner. In December, we have a dinner at uh, Cosette, I mean, at Fulton. And so it's an appreciation dinner for all of our uh, workers that help stuff our, our envelopes for our, or in our newsletters. And for doing that, they come, and our teachers that we have that go, and those people that go on these trips and report and go to the graduations, and those that help work here in the States, they are all there and honored. And Brother Lance came back and he said, I was amazed at the amount of knowledge, the depth of, these, of their students when he got back from Sierra Leone. And I was equally as amazed when I got back from Africa, from Liberia. Those men, they would start and introduce and start into a worship. And they would start all the way back to Genesis 3.15. And the promises made to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to tell everybody that was there that may be visiting about Christ. So they started all the way from the very beginning and come forward. It'd take them about 10 minutes to tell and get them to now here's Jesus. Now that's pretty awesome. They understand the gospel. Those 39 graduates had uh, 85 congregations established, 337 baptisms, 646 prayer requests and restorations. And this is in Sierra Leone, Kono. That's the newest school that is in Sierra Leone. Momo Wakiere is the director there. He and his wife had come over to the other part of Sierra Leone looking for work to make a living. Uh, Come in contact with Brother Jacob. And after having gone through the classes, uh, spent some time. And he decided he wanted to carry the gospel back to his village. Just like Dr. Fala over in Lofa where I just got back from. And so they went over there, found a place, got him set up, got him going. And so he gave up his working job from the public. And he's now director of the school that is there. And he's by vocational. He's got a job as well uh, back there where he was at instead of at Sierra Leone. But he's back in, in, uh, in Kono. And that's a graduating class. And this is a big deal. They marched through the cities. Uh, I learned to be sure and wear comfortable shoes. Every graduation, Brother Ken, we walked through that village, and where the marketplace was at, we went through. They had that banner up, and they were singing constantly. We're marching to Zion, I surrender all to Jesus, something of those, those kinds of songs, as you would be marching through town. And they would actually gain students that way, peaking interest. And they would be walking, Dr. Fowler and I would be walking behind, and, and he would be taking names. Writing names down, and he would tell them when the next class is going to be starting and, and where to come to. It was pretty effective, but they were really demonstrating their, their faith and demonstrating how much they believe in what they're doing. That's Brother Lance there. 24 graduates in Kono, 26 congregations established, 127 baptisms, 122 restoration prayer requests. I talked to Jay, and one of the things he, we didn't do or he didn't do before I came on board. And we don't know how to back up and do any different now. We want them to record how many baptisms from each student in the last 12 months. But what if they're there two years? What about the first year? And for their four years, what about those three years? So we don't know the exact number. It's a lot of baptisms, a lot of gospel being preached. Maybe we could have a little bit of calculation on that. Here's Chiapas, Mexico, San Cristobal. We have a school there, one in Tapachula, one in San Cristobal. We're fixing to have a graduation there in San Cristobal about August the 12th. That's Brother Guy Stanley from the Springfield, Tennessee Church. And uh, he was there for the graduation. That's Brother David Aguilar all the way over uh, to the end over there with a white shirt on. Brother David has been there for uh, several years now from the very beginning of our uh, schools there. He does a great job. And you see there are those ladies that are in there. How wonderful it is for our ladies to have a degree in Bible to teach her children. I like the Bible quiz. I haven't been a part of that, haven't seen it in a long time. When we were at Lynn and I were at Cofferville, we would do that kind of stuff with the kids. But you know, I knew that if we're the church is going to prosper and to grow, you got to get the kids involved and you got to teach them the basics. And that takes a lot of work from a lot of the ladies behind the scenes. All our vacation Bible schools, usually there's about two men there. And all the rest of that work was going on was the ladies doing all the work. And then I'd be doing the leading the singing and, and the prayers and that kind of stuff. And then maybe one other man would be there to help, uh, help me pray. Here's one of the graduations. You notice the facilities. Uh, some of the facilities you'll see that there's just dirt floors. It's not a big deal. It's not uncommon to be in a building with a dirt floor throughout. There'll, no, there'll not be a gable in the end of the building like this. That'd be just wide open. For air purposes, they don't have AC, so they don't have power, and the windows would be down the side, so there would be no glass in that, so the air would, would flow through. But atop of Tula, we had six graduates, nine congregations, eight baptisms, and nine prayer requests and restorations. Now, you know you'll see the numbers fluctuate, and everywhere you go, I don't care where you go, that's just the way it is. How many places here in the United States, the field is a little more wider to harvest and I think the numbers are growing here, aren't they? Seems like their numbers have been going up. Doug sends me the bulletin, and I read the bulletin every week. I look forward to getting the bulletin and reading the bulletin, and I get to see it. He usually sends it to me right before Sunday, so I get to see it usually before I get out of here. And, but I, I appreciate that, and I see all the work that the brethren here are doing, and I commend you, brethren, keep doing what you're doing. Graduation at San Cristobal, we have these five graduates, two men and three ladies. And do not misunderstand me, I had one lady, or ladies, or a man, or men, I don't know, but somebody thought I said we were training women preachers. They don't support us. (laughs) They thought I said that. I'm not saying that at all. Our ladies are great Bible class teachers and great wives of elders and deacons and preachers. And they got a whole host of works like Dorcas and others that you ladies can do. We're not training women preachers. If you're in a village and you have a congregation, of all women, then who might be the one that teaches? Obviously, a woman. So don't get me wrong. Don't mistake in that, I'm, that I'm saying that at all. I'm not saying that at all. Brother Guy doing the speaking there. The commencements, five graduates, 10 congregations established, 233 baptisms. 25 restorations. Here's Nigeria, Ikot Uson, or Ekot Usan. I've said Ikot so many times it's hard to break, but Brother Emmanuel was here and he says it's Ecot. He said, everywhere in the world I is pronounced E except in the United States. <laughs> I said, thank you, Brother Emmanuel. And I asked him while we were there, we have two schools in lower Nigeria, one in Obudu and one in Ekot. And I said, Brother Emmanuel, why don't we start looking at maybe a school in northern he says, radical Islamic. They kill Christians. He said, there's a lot of people that are lost below those people. He says, we're not gonna to try to move in on them. We'll let Christianity grow into them, but we're not, we, won't, we won't advise going in and try to start a school right in the middle of them. It would not be wise. I said, thank you, Brother Emmanuel. That's their culture. See, I'd have never known that. No way would I have known that. Here's a graduating class. August the 20th, 12 students, and that's Brother Emmanuel in the center. He's the MC there, and you see this the garb that he has on. You see the age difference in those men. And so lots of different men from all walks of life have come in to take these courses. 12 graduates, nine congregations established, 73 baptisms, 16 prayer requests, and restorations. And this is Dendari, Nicaragua. Uh, three graduates there on December the 3rd. And that's Brother uh, Joel Bustamante. And he got his education at Circe. At Harding, and he went back. He went home to work with his people. That's the graduating class there. 23 congregations established, 55 baptisms, and 27 prayer requests and restorations. And there's the graduating class in Sudad Sandino. And you see, there's a a number of ladies that are there. So you women play a vital, vital part. And my hands, you know, my hats off to those ladies that are working so hard. Because guess who does most of the work around the home, from my observations from being there for two weeks, was the ladies. And so for them to get those, to do the cooking, cooking on charcoal or whatever, getting meals prepared, getting kids ready, getting the husband ready, getting all of that done, those ladies work really, really hard, and then they'll have on their best when they come to worship services. And where we were at, those were tribal people, and they would be dressed very tribal, like you could tell what, you know, where they were from by the, the, the attire. And out of those 18 graduates, we had 37 congregations established, 96 baptisms, 52 prayer requests, and restorations. And, Brother Ken, you'll have to tell me a, a stop. How many minutes have we got? 18? Okay, good deal. Do I need to offer an invitation or anything? You got that? Good. All right. Here's Ojo Hana, Honduras, and uh, the church in McKenzie, Tennessee, is getting to go down, getting ready to go down right now uh, to do a vacation Bible school and build some houses and stuff around the school that is already established there. They support the work, and there's a graduating class there. Had in December the 10th, eight, eight graduates. And we had four gospel preachers from four different congregations. Uh, three of them also lead singing. And the same thing goes there. As it is here, not everybody can lead singing. In some congregations, you have a number of song leaders. You know, just like here. In some congregations, you have a number of song leaders, and some you don't. But it's wonderful that those preachers that are out there preaching the gospel come and get a degree in Bible. They've obeyed the gospel, but they are doing it just simply from self, being self-taught or been handed down from some other brother. Eight graduates, two congregations, established 15 baptisms, for restorations. And this is yours truly, and we're in Gorbalee, which is in, uh, just out of Buchanan, West Africa. That's J.C. and I out in the jungle at the graduation there at the central Gorbalee Church of Christ. And we got in a four-wheel drive, and we drove for, I don't know, two or three hours, and the roads were pretty good, and J.C., had just spent four days in a hospital prior to us leaving, he had had a an infection and was really really sick, and and we already had a trip set up and uh, to go to Africa, and his doctor was telling him stay in the hospital at Tupelo, don't go, and he says by the grace of God I'm going, get me out of here, give me all the drugs I need, whatever I need to carry with me, and we'll do that. So there we were. He made that trip, and God has blessed us. He had gone before us. So that's brother standing in front of me. That is. Uh, Brother Maxwell Wee, he was converted to, to Christianity back in the late 70s. Brother David Underwood from my International Bible College is the one that had reached him with the gospel. And he works hard there. Uh, he preaches at the Smith Road Church there in Monrovia. And has a teaching uh, class out in Gorbally, out, out in the jungle. Uh, super great worker of the Lord. Love and appreciate him so much. And that's one of the elders there from Monrovia. And I can't remember his name. And here we are marching through town. These men and these young ladies will get out and they'll canvas and they'll pass out literature. And they'll give out Bible correspondence courses. And right here, they had passed out Bible correspondence courses. And they had 59 to complete those Bible correspondence courses. And they had a graduation for them, which was a big deal. To them, that's, it's a big deal. So they were having this little uh, graduation in Vonjima, uh, uh, Liberia. And so uh, the church is growing. The New Hope Church of Christ that they had established in, in that little old city right there uh, was established by the students that were in Lofa, Liberia. And so uh, it's a newly formed church in the last 12, 14 months. And so there they had some really hard workers out there uh, for the Bible correspondence courses. And here's in Lofa, Liberia. J.C. kept telling me when we were in Gorbalee, those roads were rough. But he said, you hadn't seen anything yet. Get ready. I said, okay. And brethren, I could not imagine. I thought he might have been using hyperbole, you know, exaggeration for effect. Everything he said, guys, was an understatement compared to what that road really was like. It was really, really rough. 16 hours of the roughest riding road I'd ever been on in my life. No four-wheeler trail ever and a three-wheeler trail in my life if I've ever ridden, it was that rough. And those people travel those roads, those through the jungle. And it's amazing, you have beautiful blacktop coming out of a major city, and it'll be the toughest road. It's really super-duty built because the trucks are so big and they carry so much materials on those trucks to carry them out in those villages and some of our guys might remember a deuce and a half. Well, their trucks are a little bit bigger. They're beefed up a little bit larger than that, larger tires, but about the same concept. And they load those trucks with so many commodities, I mean, they just, just tear the roads all to pieces. So where they have roads, they're built super great. But it's just like you just draw a line and it goes from super great to just like that through that jungle, mud holes. We were over there trying to get back out of there before the rain started. Because what we were traveling in, and some of those holes, you wouldn't go through them. That's so much, how deep the holes were. And so when the, when the water, the side of the bank is higher than the cab of the vehicle, you know you're not going through those places. But we get over there, and they march through the city. We marched for over an hour through their singing. And so it's a big deal. They're super glad, they're super glad that we're there, and they're glad to share the gospel. And this is on Saturday night, I wanted to show this slide very quickly. On Saturday night, right before the graduation there in in Lofa, those little young ones uh, will surprise you. Uh, Very, very well mannered, very well behaved, and uh, very respective of their elders. So we're there in that village and they're cooking rice and they have a mochete, which is nothing but a stone pot and a pole. And they throw stuff over in there. And they, they're they beating that stuff up and grinding it down to make what they call a soup to go on the rice. Well, if they've been down to the river, to the channel or whatever, and they've caught a little fish. When we were in Goverly, one little lady came by the door. We was there in there in the graduation. Had to platter on her head, a big like a stainless steel bowl. And that thing was full of fish, about eight or ten inches long. And so... I know that they're catching that stuff daily and so they're cooking this food and they had some fish they cooked them things whole brother ken and those little ones right there the men eat first in their in their culture and they'd break the head of that fish off brother morgan and and had them little ones that throw that whole thing in their mouth i'm like wow and i'm looking at that little old fish and i got teeth sticking out there like that look like a piranha guys and all I could do, when I looked at them, I said, better you than me. And I just eat the fish. <laughs> I ate what I could off of there. I couldn't bring myself to eat that head. But those kids enjoyed it. Pineapples, 25 to 30 cents for most delicious pineapple. And we had cut up a couple, and there was three, two or three kids. And I had just taken a toothpick, and I, and I ate one, and I noticed out of the corner of my eye there was three or four of those kids. So I just took a toothpick, and I started handing them out. And that little fellow, he's this late and he's done passed out. He's literally asleep on that, pew, on that little bench right there. He's sound asleep. But earlier, before dark, they were lined up and I was handing a pineapple. And one of those guys, I believe it was this one, had dropped it. And he reached down and got it and rubbed that off a pant leg and come all the way up and had it in his mouth before I could give him another one. And I just, I kept feeding them. And they was, they was talking among themselves. And so other kids from the village could see. And a minute I had about nine or ten or so around behind me, all waiting on their piece of pineapple. (laughs) That was a hit. Great. They called me a giant. Most of those people hit me about right here. It's a different world, brethren. But carrying the gospel to them is worth it all. And to see those young men, those young little girls, the girls would stay with the women and they would do their work. And those young men would come in. All the time we was there, we was going about 17 days. Never once did I see a modern manufactured toy. One of those kids was running around, there, had an oil can for motorcycle oil, because most everything I have is motorcycles. I've seen four and five people on a motorcycle, trail bike deals. He took lids of other ones, punched him some, made him some wheels, was pulling it around with a string. And he had picked up leaves off of those trees, papaya trees, and tied them on. And so that truck would look like those trucks that bring commodities in from Monrovia or whatever, Sierra Leone or whatever. it comes into those villages. So it would look just like one of those. Or you'd see them, like my dad said, they used to push a a tire with a stick. That was common, several. You saw that a, a, a great number of times. Brother, and it's different there, but they're so receptive of the gospel. I'm going to go for time to this right here. Since 2005, when we, or 15, when we started keeping records, 2015, there's been 804 graduates, 1148 congregations established, 7178 baptisms, 4671 prayer requests, and restorations. Same problem there that you have here, people obey the gospel and then they get so bogged down with trying to make a life and trying to live that they get lax and then when these young guys, these students come in and of course what are they going to do? They're going to try to go in to get back families and the wives are very successful in converting their households and their families and getting them to establish congregations in their homes in these villages. It's very effective and it works really, really great. You'd be driving along that jungle road, and you see a little place wouldn't be much wider than that space. Well, matter of fact, about as wide as that is across there. And it just turned to go out in the jungle, and you're not able to drive three, four, five, six four, five, six miles, more, more rough, rough road. You get there, and you come to a village about 1,500, 2,000 people. And those men, those young students, we had 27 graduates, went out in our first graduating class in Liberia. Both of Liberia, established 49 congregations, baptized 1,340 souls into Christ. The first graduating class. Brethren, how many congregations of the Lord's people of the United States would we have to put together to top that? See, the seeds are sown, but it's not as received here as it is there. And that's not possible Without your help, the Lord going before us and us going and sharing the gospel. Lynn asked me, she said, how did you make it on those flights? Have you noticed yet I'm a big guy and I don't fly first class, I fly economy for financial reasons. And so when you sit for eight or ten hours like that right there, I think that's no big deal when I see what they live in every day day, all day, seven days a week, and no complaints. Very humbling, and thank you. Any questions, very quick. Man, I got an A-plus out of that deal, Leah. <laughs> well, if you have no questions, if you think of something later, just call the office, get our brochure, give us a, give us a shout. I'd like to say a word of prayer with you, though. Holy, righteous Father in heaven, how would be thy name, Father? We thank you for being the awesome God that you are, for being the loving, caring, and understanding God and the providing God. And Father, we know that we get so comfortable in our everyday walks of life. And Father, we don't always think about those that are way out of our sight and out of our minds. And Father, we're so thankful that you've allowed us to be a part of that work and thankful for the Boonville Congregation for coming on board and helping us to make make the gospel to go forth in all of these other countries. Father, we pray that you continue to bless the work that is going on here with Brother Ken and the elders and Brother Doug and all of the, the sacrifices for all the members, Father. We're so thankful for the the insight that they have to, to try to reach the lost that are here and educate their children and to win their homes back to you. We love you, Father, and we want to praise your name for all things and all blessings and pray that you continue to go before us to keep us safe in all that we do. And more than anything father delivers from the evil one again and again as you have so many times before and as we leave this place keep us safe father you see Jesus we pray and amen
1: to Don and Lynn for uh, being our guests here tonight and those numbers are impressive but guess what that's that's a work you're involved in. So as we partner with these missionaries, I mean, do you believe me? We can touch the whole world. And we're very thankful for the efforts that you put forth, and thank you so much for the presentation. Uh, they'll be here a, a little, so if you were a little bit embarrassed to ask them a question publicly, I'm sure you can catch them here in just a little bit. All right, you are dismissed. Thank you for being here tonight.